I'm sorry. And the whole point of the video is I could wave so that I don't sound like some kind of like condescending turd when when this gets edited. All right, Tiffany, it begins. Welcome. Indeed. Thank you. So, Tiffany Link, co-host extraordinaire as of now, what's your deal? Like, what do you do for money when you're not doing this now? I am Tiffany Link, and I'm the collections curator for Maine Historical Society. And what do you do in your non-podcasting time, Ian? Uh, Well, what pays the bills, I am an assistant professor of history at Bridgewater State University mostly colonial and Native American matters, but really whatever people pay me to do, which really means anything at a regional public. And Bridgewater State University is in... Oh, yeah. Yeah. um, So I I work in Massachusetts and Mm. I don't hide it, but I don't really advertise (laughs) it that like, so I, I live in Providence, Rhode Island. I am recording all of this from the, the top floor of the the building that my lovely wife Robin and I live in and we're looking at each other on camera. And so I see a bunch of random boxes of books and various, various important looking documents behind you, Tiffany. And so I'm going to go ahead and guess that you're, you're somewhere at MHS today. I am in our quarantine room, which is where we bring things when um, they're waiting on evaluation. And we just kind of do that as a precautionary measure in case there's any pests or mold or mildew issues um so it's a uh, a good room to record in it's quiet just me nice. in the freezer and um <laughs> things waiting to be looked at so awesome yeah i really like the idea that potentially at some point when we're when we're recording future episodes like jamie rice or one of your bosses is just going to be like banging on the door and come on yeah. <laughs> We've got a genealogist who really, really needs to find a reel from the 1884 something or other. Yeah, uh, that has happened before. So that's a quarantine. Nobody knows I'm back here. So I'm pretty safe. (laughs) Nice. Excellent. Excellent. All right. It's almost like a deep, deep in a bunker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tiffany <Yep>. Link bringing <laughs> you the bringing you the facts from uh from a very safe safe room. Yes. So since you're new and this is part uh listeners of our our rollout of the the sort of informal I I'm too a combination of lazy and and inept to be able to like number things on seasons but I'm thinking the, of this as season 2 or or some sort of a sequel or 2.0 to mainly history. I'm a social animal and I, I think things are better with, with company and yeah, Tiffany, you and I, we had a, I guess I don't, I'm bad at remembering when I, when I start things off with people, you know, in terms of becoming colleagues and friends and peers mm-hmm. and all the rest. But I think we've, we had a meeting of a minds gradually over a good while. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think people, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to research with documents and, and, come up with some sort of original compelling argument compelling being the, a much more distant hope the, the the folks like you who working in an archival setting what is your relationship to you know kind of historical materials and what's the kind of 
what's the kind of stuff that you are trained to do in your career? Sure. So um, before I was the collections curator, I was the research librarian for about 10 years. And that was a really excellent melding of my undergraduate degree in history and my master's degree in library and information science, because it was a way to use my research expertise, but to help patrons find the documents that they need. And I also conducted a lot of fee-based research for people, which was really fascinating. And I think really the best opportunity for me to figure out that even topics that you don't think are interesting can be really interesting because I never really got to do research that I wanted to do. I was always doing Mm. something for someone else and learned a lot about a lot of different topics, you know, genealogy and history and how those two intertwine constantly and, and specifically about how those two things work in Maine, uh, not coming from Maine originally. And, uh, that's sort of my initial background. And now I do collections curatorial work. So I kind of tell the story of our collections and determine which collections are most suited. And I kind of use a lot of my genealogy and historical research expertise doing that. And then my library work is sort of how to properly care for and house those materials so that they're around for another, you know, 100, 200 years. Um, And people can keep coming to Maine Historical to do research and probably be podcast hosts in the future about their topic right. of interest. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you do intake? Like if somebody comes in and says like, I have some extremely rare and fashionable dancing shoes from my great grandmother back in the swing dance era, and she lived in Auburn, and they bring that in. And then like her diary about going to the swing dance parties and all the rest, and they bring that to the historical society. Are you the person who does that kind of intake? Yes. Yeah. So I would be their initial point of contact. Um, I usually do a little bit of research before I reach back out to them just to kind of make sure that it seems like the story that they have is really meshing with records and facts because, Mm. you know, a lot of family history gets a little fuzzy and stories aren't always quite accurate. You know, there's usually some truth there. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of what I do is either for new collections or collections we already have is looking at the story that they're coming or came with and seeing how much of that we can verify. And sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's a little, sometimes we find out it's really not what we thought it was. And then we kind of go from there about whether we keep it, whether we add it to the collection, if it's a new item. And, um, if we can't take it ourselves, we always try to give someone another option where they can find a home. Those shoes belong to Benedict Arnold. Get them out of there. (laughs) Yes. So what's the most recent thing that somebody brought in that that you processed and accepted? Do you remember? Um, The most most recent recent memorable thing. Yeah. So (laughs) I I enjoy historic furs. Um, It's beautiful. And I, I love animals. So I'm not a you know, advocate of, of current furs, but we have recently taken in two really wonderful and really different fur coats. Uh, one was from about the 1960s, like really probably about 1960 based on the tags and the coat. Um, the fur itself is gorgeous. It's an amazing shape. It has the owner's name embroidered on the inside of it, um, along with some beautiful embroidery along the, the hem of the inside of the coat. And it's like a swing coat, you know, something you'd see on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Like mm. it's, it's fantastic. And it had a matching hat, a matching fur hat. Nice. Um, you guys got and, the hat too? Yeah, we did. Okay. Yes. 
So you said that you do a lot of research for hire for other people, and it's not necessarily what you'd choose yourself. If you could choose yourself, what you would be researching, what would be your next project? Um, you know, I I love all things revolution. And so we're coming up on a lot of anniversaries here. So any number of revolutionary war topics would be great. And um, you know, fortunately in my my new position as collections curator, I am getting to do a lot of research on our revolutionary era objects and kind of, again, sort of see if we can confirm their stories. Um, or in a couple of sort of sad instances, we've kind of determined that some things aren't what we thought they are. So, you know, I, I am getting to finally do some things that are really interesting to me. So, yeah. Nice. Excellent. What about you? What's your, uh, what's your area? So when I get to set, you know, choose my own stuff, I am working on, like so many historians, we have things that like we care about and we think other people should too, and not enough of them do. So for me, there is a war that occurred on the main frontier in the 1720s that has like eight names and none of them are good. And so nobody knows what to name this thing. And it resulted in the series of peace treaties between various Wabanaki nations and the British colonies of Massachusetts, as well as Nova Scotia. And people are still figuring out what those treaties actually agreed to and did. But they're really important, especially for some of the First Nations folks in Canada in defining their relationships with the British Crown. And they have a lot of importance even down to today. And so I am writing, I'm going to try to write the first book length study of this war and this series of peace treaties. And the working title is The War with Too Many Names. And it probably needs to be shorter and punchier. So that is my current project and thing that I'm trying to do. But most of the time I'm trying to get my students to, you know, read the assignments and think thoughtful thoughts about them. And then like you, I also will kind of do history for hire. Uh, I did a project that I really got into a while ago. I did a 400 sort of anniversary retrospective history for the town of Easton on Cape Cod about the so-called first encounter between the Mayflower passengers and the Nauset people, one of the members of the, the Wampanoag Nation the Confederacy in uh, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Uh, and this is where the Mayflower landed before it went to what became Plymouth, Massachusetts. And apparently... The Mayflower passengers got out of their ship looking for food. They dug up some native food stocks, also looted some graves. Surprise, surprise, the locals <laughs> were not happy that burglars mm. showed up to pillage their stuff uh, and loot some graves. Um, yeah. And so they shot at them. Both sides claimed they won, as far as we can tell. But then the Mayflower sailed away down the coast and went to uh, the abandoned village of Patuxet and was now Plymouth. And so... I learned a lot about that, like the fact that the Mayflower folks didn't call themselves pilgrims, and we shouldn't either. Mm. What so, should yeah. we call them? Um, well, separatists with a capital S okay. would be the probably the preference, the, the preference yeah. or the Plymouth colonists, right? Because that's what they were. Um, sure. but, um, but it wasn't until about 1800 that they started with Pilgrim Fathers. And so uh, it turns out Southeastern Massachusetts people were really good at marketing themselves. Anyway, I've done that for pay and, you know, you know how it is. Will history for pay, um, you know, we'll do it. Yeah. 
Speaking of financial incentives, do we have any formal affiliations on this podcast? Speaking of uh, history for pay and financial affiliations, uh, you and I, are we receiving any financial capacity from any organization to do this podcast right now? I wish, Ian, but no. That's right. So guess what, everybody? If you're mad at us, and if Tiffany really offends you, and I mean, she probably <laughs> will, she's doing this in her capacity as a private citizen and scholar, not the main historical society. Free and agents. That's right. Likewise, me. Um, you can yell at me, uh, but I'm not representing Bridgewater State University. We will happily represent people for pay if they want to pay us money. But in the meantime, they're not, so we're not. And so all of the fan and if you must hate mail goes directly to us and not any of our uh, other institutions who are basically our day jobs. And so, if you want to do some sponsors like, you know, mm -hmm. HelloFresh. Oh, yeah. Bionics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're here. We're totally here. Yeah. We're totally here. Yeah. Sponsors, get in touch. We'll we'll totally do that. If you want us to like wear uh, branded clothing while we're doing this podcast, even though there's there's never any video recordings, we'll still do that. We'll talk about <laughs> your stuff. We will consume your products on the show, mm -hmm. whatever, yeah. you know, we're there. We're totally there. You Maybe mentioned, we'll do some... and I think it's a great one. What historical figure could you have for dinner? Oh, what historical figure could I have over for dinner or not have for dinner? Okay. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Let's we really right. want to go like true crime. We're going centric, full like, Donner party. Yeah. Like, okay. A historical figure. So, I mean, excuse my pedantic question, but like, is language an object? Am I able to speak their language? No, you can talk. It doesn't matter. It's like Star Trek, you know, whatever their little things are that just gotcha. translate automatically. Oh, okay. You got it. Like, yeah. Anyone. So I'd want to go with somebody really ancient and like, you know, I don't want to be cliche and I'm not religious, but I think the historical Jesus would be really interesting. And that's such a cop out. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'd be, just because I'd be like, yo, like I want to, especially because I'd be like, bring your wife. I want to meet like Jesus is what, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. So like, I don't know. Is that a, you're right. That is a cop out. I'm sorry. That's like, oh, what's your. What's your favorite song? I like Beethoven's don't even fifth. Have to say <laughs> <laughs> Worst answer right. ever. Why? Who's who would yours be? Who would yours be? I don't even know. Well, I mean, I have obviously no facts to base this on, mm -hmm. but I, um, you know, I feel like if it were like 1770 and I were living in Boston that John Hancock and I would just be best friends and we would go on like fabulous shopping trips together and host fancy dinner parties. And then when he got engaged to Dolly, like she and I would be best friends and it would just be like this fabulous 18th century Boston life. See, Partying but that's a cop out because that's not the dinner. That's who are you trying to entrap into becoming friends? But like, that's a if different I, could, question. I would have dinner to find out. I mean, you know. But that's different than you... saying, who would you want to invite to your house to a dinner party and then eventually form a lifelong friendship with and have them yeah. in your life? 
That is a different question than what historical (laughs) figure would you like to have over for dinner? So you can like ask them questions about like, what was it like to live in the first century? Right. These are a different kind of question. My historical BFF, I guess. Okay. Okay. Because if we're going early Americans, I mean, I know Ben Franklin's a cliche for being a hoot for like, he'd be really fun uh, because he probably would. You don't think so? Just because he was like- but is it because he would be fun. like a dud husband, like because he was kind of a dud husband, or like why would he be gross? I don't the gout, the drinking. I don't know. I mean, I this also know. depends on like how old is Ben Franklin when you have him over for dinner. Yeah, fair. He lived a long time, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, the French ladies thought that he was um, pretty great, so I don't know. Can't true, although he probably we don't know if he actually was like you know dating them. Or just no. like, you know, playing cards. Right. So, but for fun, for revolutionaries, I mean, I'm trying to think who's more fun than Ben Franklin. You say John Hancock is John more Hancock, fun. John Hancock, probably. Okay. Okay. I mean, hang on two seconds. Yeah. Um. So I guess if I was going to have someone over for dinner to just be like, what was life like? Because yeah, and trap and befriend, like. I don't know, like Oscar Wilde, Oscar Wilde would be a riot, right? Mark Twain. I would invite someone like Eleanor de Aquitaine and be like, was Robin Hood real? What was the deal? Was Prince John really a jerk? Was King Richard really awesome? Probably not. I mean, she's their mom, so. Yeah. I don't know how truthful she'd be, but she seems pretty cool herself. So it's true. Okay. Okay. But by the way, I like the idea of who would you invite to dinner to recruit to be your friend as like an introductory test drive. That's a great question. And I I think that that should become much more common as the the like very basic history icebreaker than the who would you like to have for dinner, which is to just like sit there and grill them and be like, oh, you know, hello, Buddha or, you know, whoever. Or, or something See, like when that. you ask me who I'd want to have for dinner, I'm like, yeah, who do I want to have over to have a good time? Not like mm. inquisitively grill. Inquisitively like, that wasn't grill. My first thought. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, <laughs> but I get it. Yeah. And there would be the whole thing about like manners. Once you get older than a few mm. hundred years, table manners start to get really weird. They're going to put their hands in everything. Like, I'm not down for that. I don't want to do the whole like sharing, <laughs> digging my, digging my hands in. What are you most excited about going forward that we're doing on this show? Listeners oh. who are like, Tiffany's here. She's bringing all kinds of new sensibilities and style to mainly history. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping to bring on someone who can maybe talk about sled dogging in Maine, how that was used competitively, but also to carry mail and things like that. Really looking forward to maybe a Maine Kunka episode. I think that would be really really fun and maybe some nature-based episodes there's a lot of really good trail groups out there um you know the amc there's uh the littler known international appalachian trail which you know i think we can get some guests on for hopefully and talk about you know means connection to nature because it's like a it's a really big part of it it's a lot of reasons why people come to the state to visit and certainly something that makes me feel like i can put myself into the perspective of the world when you can just see how beautiful it is and how big it is. And Maine's a big state with a lot to offer. So it's true. It is. Well, awesome. I am looking forward to this next stage of the show. Now with a fun, awesome co-host who can also 
share the joy of meeting new people and finding fascinating new aspects of Maine and greater New England history to talk about. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a little true crime. That's right. You are you are a true crime. Might sneak fan. it in there once mm-hmm. or twice. So nice, <laughs> nice. So to brass tacks, Tiffany, when is our first new episode coming out for? We are going to bring you an October episode uh, that's Halloween themed, and it will be ghost stories from the Longfellow House. Dun dun dun! Ooh. Excellent. All right, the themed content that you know and love. And then we will be back to a regularly scheduled shooting for two episodes a month starting in November of this year. That's right, everybody. Listen to our show. It's going to be great. See you soon. See you soon.